Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Welcome back to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. Before I bring you my awesome guest today, Carrie Kasdan, I want to let you know that I'm doing something a little wild and crazy. Um, Because the world is on fire, literally, you guys, I live in LA. Um, So my state has been on fire and the one of the fires, the Bobcat fire has been really close to me. Um, Not so close that I've had to evacuate or anything, but our air quality has been um, hazardous. I have an app that when it gets high enough, it calls it um, airpocalypse. And we've been seeing a lot of that lately. And I've been having this, you know, between COVID and the fires and the state of politics and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I mean, I've been having this overwhelming uh, desire to flee. And I, you know, this is a, this is a natural trauma response when we smell fire, which we have been smelling for weeks and weeks on end. And I mean, listen, I'm in Southern California. This is nothing compared to what's been going on in Oregon and Northern California. So I just cannot, my heart goes out to anyone who's in closer proximity to more of these fires. I literally adjust my heart breaks for you, but it is a, it is a natural response that when you smell fire, that you want to flee, (laughs) right? I mean, that makes sense from an animalistic perspective, right? And I've been having this overwhelming feeling like I have got to get the fuck out of here. And then a couple weeks ago, my friend Jesse, who's like one of my oldest, dearest friends, we've known each other since we were six. Um, She, we started talking, she lives in Boulder, and we started talking about she and her husband just bought an RV and we started talking about doing like a crazy cross country RV trip. And last week she called me and said, you know, we were talking about this and we had sort of tabled it, but um, her dad is, you know, lives alone. Both of she and her brother, she lives in Boulder. Her brother lives in LA and her, their dad lives by himself in Massachusetts and just got to a point where she was like, I need to go. I need to go see him. And, you know, we can't just get on a plane and go see our dads. And my dad lives um, out way out on Long Island. And so same thing for me. So we just decided, you know what, fuck it. Let's just go. Let's just get in the RV and go. So, you know, like we're like 20 or something. (laughs) Last time I did something like this, I was like literally in my 20s. So on Friday, I am getting in my car with my puppies and we are driving to just me and the dogs to um, Boulder, where I'm meeting up with Jess. And then we are going to be getting into um, her RV and driving across country. Uh, We're going to each stay with our dads for a week. And then we're going to drive back. So it's probably about three or three week trip. Um, I am super fortunate that my ex was like, yep, go. And my son is not happy about this at all. Um, and I would completely and utterly bring him, but his school is just too rigorous right now and he can't miss, you know, a couple of weeks of school. So that sucks. But so it's going to be me and Jess and the pups in an RV and you can follow along in my Instagram stories because I think there's going to be a lot in there. Uh, it's just going to be, it's super fun, but two, uh, two almost 50 year olds <laughs> in an RV headed out to, uh, headed out to the East Coast. So here we go. Which brings me to the point of this, which is that I am going to be sort of, um, like I said, hitting the road. I'm going to be on the road. I'm not going to be as accessible maybe in the Facebook group as I would have been. Uh, we're not going to, we're going to have spotty Wi-Fi. Um, Darlene may end up doing a couple of my intros for um, some of the upcoming podcasts. I may try to get them done before I leave, but we'll see. So I just want to let you know what's going on with me that I'm going to be out and about (laughs) in the wild, wild world, in the wild west, literally. Yeah. So there you have it. All right. So 
to today's episode. Back to, back to the serious stuff. This is awesome. So Carrie Kasdan is a business manager and a certified money coach. Um, she works at Summit Financial Management in West LA. So the thing that I really like about Carrie is that she's not just dealing with women and their money and their divorces and stuff like that. She's actually looking more holistically at money mindset and coaching women towards financial wellness and helping them to understand their conscious and subconscious relationship to money, right? And so when she works with clients going through divorce and guiding them through this like overwhelming financial stuff that goes on when you're like getting a divorce, she does it from this perspective of not just like, let's make a budget, but also like, what is your subconscious relationship to money? What is your history um, around money? And I think this is a really, really, really important topic that we haven't necessarily um, delved into when we've been talking about um, divorce and your money uh, before. So I'm super excited to bring you this conversation with Carrie Kasdan. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about money. <laughs> My pleasure. You know, money, 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 loves money. To talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we are having a conversation about, I guess, divorce and your money, right? Right. Yeah. And you have a really interesting approach to talking about money. You say that you help people understand their conscious and subconscious relationship with money, which is, I don't think we've ever had a conversation on this podcast about sort of people's money stories and their history around money. And I think, so I, th I love that you actually help people look at that while going through making all of these decisions. So how do you help people do that? <laughs> First of all, I think it's a great tool for everybody to understand their relationship with money, whether they're married, single, going through a divorce, because so much of our patterns around money and our behaviors are subconscious and they were formed very early in life that we've just been going through, you know, 10, 20, 30 years living out these patterns. Some work well for us, others don't. Yeah. And when you look at the reasons people get divorced, think money's in the top three. Yeah, right. What does it mean when you say that people have a conscious and unconscious relationship with money? Because I think it's, I think there are a couple of interesting things to pull apart there that people, one is that people have a subconscious relationship with money. And the other is that this is actually a relationship, right? Like, the, even that in and of itself, this is a relationship, can be a little bit uh, of a mind bend for some people. Well, you know, what's interesting is I've been doing business management for over 20 years. And so, you know, from where I sit, I see how 25, 30 people spend money all differently. Yeah. And so I always found it fascinating which clients are able to save and which clients, no matter how much they make, spend. Six years ago, I met this amazing woman, Deborah Price, who runs the Money Coaching Institute, and I became trained as a money coach. And it really helped me to understand the psychological patterns. Now, it's not your personality, but there's different money archetypes. Mm. And they're formed a lot of times by what we saw as a child. My mother was this way with money. My father was that way with money. How that sort of shaped us. And then we take that into adulthood. Sometimes we hide money from our spouses. Sometimes we overspend. Sometimes we save too much. But people don't really understand. So from the outside, you could say, oh, well, this person spends a lot, you know, because they don't have a job. And they have extra money and this is just how they fill their days, uh -huh. right? You, you could right. say that. But when you dig deeper and you really kind of do the work and people are honest, a lot of times it masks a lot of insecurity and a lot of pain. And so when we go back and we understand where the patterns began, the stories that 
maybe we're told to people as a child from their mother or father that, you know, you're judged by your external appearance. If, let's say if that's your story, we can then start to work on some concrete steps to change that patterning, mm. to change that relationship. So, you know, I don't want to say it's your personality because obviously our personalities are very complex and much more than just the little piece that has to do with money, but they are behaviors and they are patterns. And the sooner you understand them and the sooner you actually can come up with some concrete, you know, it's not going to change. Rome wasn't built in a day. And these, you can't go from being a spender to a saver overnight, mm-hmm. but you can take concrete steps. And over time, you really, it's the same kind of principle as, you know, a nutritionist can give you a diet. Some people can stay on it. Some people can't, right? There's right. always sort of some emotion attached with money and feelings that it represents. And if you don't really work on the feelings, it's much harder to stay on a budget. And when somebody's going through a divorce, a lot of times their financial landscape will change. Yeah. And so while a lot, you know, and, and a part of what I do is say to clients, well, here's a budget and this is what you need to stick to. It's going to be much more effective if I'm speaking to you, understanding where you come from, because what I tell you will be different from what I tell somebody else to get it to work. So there's, there's more than just spenders and savers, right? I mean, it, yes. I'm guessing that this is a lot more complex than just yeah, absolutely. spender and a saver, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Can you sort of talk about what those, what the various types are? As, as I can see them. <laughs> yeah. And you know, money represents so many emotions for different people. It represents security. It represents control. It represents generosity. Uh, it represents, I mean, there's a lot addiction. There are eight main archetypes hmm. and sometimes you could be, you know, driven really by one or a few, the different archetypes, there is the innocent, there's the victim, the tyrant, the magician, the warrior, the martyr, mm. the fool, and the creator artist. And these are just names. And within each of these names, they represent, each one has a list of characteristics. And you may find one characteristic in several. It's which one is sort of dominating your yeah. conscious patterning and your spending. And when we know that, and if it's one that's not getting you to where you need to be financially, you need to make some changes on that. I bet like everything, right? It's not like, it's like your love language, right? We, we all are exactly. like, well, I like all of them or like, exactly. <laughs> right. You're, it's not black and white, right? You're not. It, no, no it's, yeah. it's never black and white. And it changes, you know, I mean, if you had a very domineering parent, let's say, that took control of everything, and you just were able to go through life kind of like, okay, everything's taken care of for me, I don't have to worry about anything, that pattern may continue into your marriage, right? Uh So now you're this happy-go-lucky kind of trusting, innocent, you didn't really have to make any decisions because they were always made for you. Mm -hmm. And now, boom, something happens for who knows why. And you find yourself single for the first time in your adult life. Well, you've had all those years of patterning and now you're sort of out to sea lost. You don't really know. So now you may have money. It could be very scary for you. It could be very intimidating for you. You don't know who to trust. You may trust the wrong people. So understanding your patterns will help you sort of make those choices, uh, I, I think, a little more wisely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting too, right? Like there's, I know that there are, like you said, right? In terms of like a spender or saver, right? As a spender, you know, it doesn't matter how much my, I know that I, I definitely fall into, if, if we're being that binary about it, right? I like, I definitely fall into the spender category, right? And so I have to watch myself because whether I have money or don't have money, right? right. I'm a spender. And so I will, if I, well, if I don't have money, I can't spend that much, but I still have the urge to, right? But then it's all I have, relative. Right. And then, but then I also have that urge to spend when I get money in, right? I immediately want to spend it. Right. And you don't know why. 
So, so there's, there's an emotion that it's fulfilling. It's hitting a something, it's hitting a, you know, so we help clients uncover the why. Right. Why do, why do some people feel whenever they have money, I'm going to spend, and again, it is relative because, you know, if you make a little, you buy something for a hundred dollars. And if you make a lot, you buy something for a million dollars. Either way. I mean, I see it with clients, the more they make, the more they spend. So it's, it's they're never getting ahead. Uh -huh. They can make 10 times as much and they'll buy things that are 10 times as expensive and other clients can make a fraction of it and they don't have the same needs and they don't have, and it's the same way too. Like some people are very generous and they're generous just to give and other people are, are generous and they'll remind you how generous they are and they're a bit of a martyr about it and they're going to control you because they've given you money and they're going to say, oh, I can't do for myself because I gave to you because I'm so generous. I mean, it's like crazy what goes on with, people and patterning, but I just see, and I, you know, I work with a lot of people going through divorce and a lot of times I've noticed they get stuck and the financial piece, it, it becomes so overwhelming to them mm -hmm. that besides the emotional piece, which is that is already enough to deal with. Now you have to deal with the financial piece. And then on top of it, there's legal jargon being thrown at you that maybe the first time you've heard stuff, it's a lot for one person to deal with. It is. And I, you know, I always say that we are making our biggest legal and financial decisions of our lives in the midst of the biggest emotional upheaval of our lives. And it tends to be a really bad combination <laughs> for just that reason, right? Like, and that's sort of one of the reasons that I ask people to um, not rush into it, right? Because you want to be able to process the emotional side before you're making these financial decisions. Because as you're saying, finance is not, it's not just about money. There's all of this emotional aspect to that too. And then you start to mix that financial emotions with like heartbreak emotions, whatever else. Oh, it's too much. It's got, it's too much, right? And people, people, I mean, and I see it and I don't want to sound, this will sound very sort of, I don't want to generalize, but women tend to yeah. really be hard on themselves and they're, yeah. they beat them. I can't believe I didn't know this and I can't believe I didn't know that. And, and I always say, you don't even know what you don't even know. I mean, how are you supposed to be an expert in all of these fields? And when they'll say, well, Carrie, how do you know this? I say, because it's all I do. This is what I've been doing for 20 years. If you ask me, anything about the legal process, I mean, uh, that would be another story. I wouldn't be able to answer the question. Right. <laughs> but, right. You know, you need to know, I said, at least I know, I mean, I think you have to get a support group around you. And I think, look, the more you can educate yourself financially while you're married, because nobody talks about when they're dating. I mean, can you imagine at 20 and you're dating someone and you say, let me just find out what your money archetype is before we take this relationship any farther. Yeah, and by the way, we should, right? But we like, don't. I mean, we right, we don't. There's so much that we don't talk about or learn about when we're deciding who we're going to marry that we really should. And this we, is definitely one of them. We don't, and I always say, you know, there's still money is still the taboo that you're not supposed to talk about money, and there's so much shame and embarrassment. And I'm always amazed, even with like, you know, my best girlfriends and. I, Women don't talk to other women about money. They talk about everything else, very intimate stuff, but they don't want to talk about, even in a general sense, I'm not saying I need to tell you exactly how much I spent for this bag or this shirt, but to say, how much do you have in savings and how do you go about doing it and picking the brain of maybe a friend of yours who has been a little more successful with their money patterns. I guess yeah. their money behaviors and why we, I feel like it's an underutilized portion of friendship Yes, that we should be, you know, relying on our friends. It takes a village. I think you're right. And I think that what it does is it destigmatizes it. Yes. But it also, this is one of those things that, that women, it's interesting. Cause I, just as we're talking about this now, I'm thinking about the ways in which women sort of weaponize money as a competitive tool against each other, consciously or unconsciously, I have a feeling that this is part of the construct, right? Part of the system that designer bags and diamonds and designer clothes. And like, we all know 
how much each of these things costs, right? right. And so when we wear our Gucci bag to a school event, right. we are telling all of the other, the men don't fucking know. They don't, they don't know. They don't know who makes our shoes or a belt. They, they know care about it. Right. But the women do. Right. right. So there's a way in which I think that we do this for each other. Right. So when, when, you know, so-and-so shows up to the school event with her, whatever, I'm like, oh, she must have this much money. <laughs> right? right. Or I know how much she spent on her purse. Right. I don't know how much money she has, but I know how much she spent on her purse. Right. And then we create a whole story about that. Oh, doesn't she have a perfect life? She's at this school right. event with her two perfect kids and her husband must be perfect because she has a Gucci bag and she pulled up in a Range Rover. And if only I could have her perfect life. I mean, it's right. ridiculous. We know nothing about her and we've created a, a whole story and clients will come to me sometimes and they'll say to this and this. And I always say, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe she does. Maybe she does. And I don't know. Yep. No matter your life, maybe. Yep. But you know, it is a proven fact that men that have wealthy friends become summit, become more successful because men are more likely, if I say, hey, I'm running an investment fund, will you invest? And you're my friend, a guy will say, of course, I trust my friend, Joe, I'm investing with him. And women, if I said to you, hey, Kate, I'm doing an investment fund, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, Carrie just crossed the line. Now I'm uncomfortable. I don't really, I don't think she should have gone there. I, I'm not sure. It's fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Because do we say I've got an investment fund or do we say I've got this MLM? <laughs> well, so some, but, but I'm saying women are not investing as much as men. Right. And it is interesting. So the women, you know, they don't. Women are more afraid to trust their friends that on that than men are. Not all, but, but statistically, women are less invested than men. And they don't, they feel like their friends cross the line when they say, you know, exactly. I mean, we can talk about Chanel bags all day long and that kind of stuff. But if we're talking about how we can make our money grow and maybe you want to take a little risk, all of a sudden, and I don't know why, people become very, women become very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And we should change that. We do need to change that. And it's interesting. I think it's also part of our sort of cultural decision, that's the men's job, right? That money, women abdicate so much of their responsibility and power around money. Oh, wow. right. When will that change? When will that change? Well, yes, it'll change as soon as people listen to this podcast. <laughs> Let's I hope. mean, it doesn't. I, I, you know, when I was doing research, you know, I'll ask women in their 50s, they don't talk about it. I'll ask, you know, I have cousins that are in their 30s, they don't talk about it. So the next generation, it still isn't changing. Yeah. Women are still signing prenups and they're so ashamed and they're so embarrassed that mm. they're not even saying to anybody, should I, shouldn't I, what do you think? I mean, they're just, and then they come out, marriage is what, 50% divorce, 55% divorce. First, first marriages are. First marriages. So now imagine if you got a car and I said, Kate, there's a 55% chance you're going to crash. 55%. Do you want to know how the seatbelt works and the safety features? Or are you just going to go for it? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, think about it. We don't. We're like, I think it's great. I don't know. And I'm 24 and I'm going to make the biggest decision of my life. Right. And I'm 100% sure that even though 50% of the people around me. Yes. Not me in the country, but, but not me. Absolutely. Okay. And then that, and then that number me. grows, right? Because for second marriages, it's higher. It's 68%. That's for right. Third, it's 74%. But so can you imagine oh. that, <laughs> that leap? I mean, can you imagine? And people will say, but you know, and I always say, listen, I'm sure you're not going to get divorced. I'm sure because who gets divorced? Oh, that's right. More than half of the population gets divorced, but mm -hmm, let's mm -hmm. assume it won't be you. But just in case, go on a wild journey with me. In case it does, let's just kind of talk about some options, some protections, teach your daughter, teach her, you know, I mean, it's important. Yeah. We still aren't teaching our girls the way we're teaching our boys. And the schools still are teaching subjects like 
trigonometry and calculus. And I'm not taking anything away from those because we all know how often we use trigonometry in our daily life. Oh my God, like all the time. It's crazy. All the time. I've used it three times already today, but we're <laughs> still not teaching about investing, about compounding interest, about budgets. I mean, it's, my son had one project in seventh grade, which was great, but that was it. There was just one project. Right. In seventh grade. In seventh grade, we had to get a job and kind of figure out taxes and what an apartment, you know, that, that's great school, in seventh grade. My son's school took them all to Ikea, gave them all a budget and told them that they had to like outfit a, a dorm room or something or a, uh-huh. Was uh-huh. Great, which was great, actually, except that they forgot to tell Ikea that they were coming. So they got kicked out. Right. <laughs> That's how you well know, prepared our kids are. I, I mean, and listen, our kids, everyone's going to have to spend money. So, I mean, can't we need exactly. to teach our kids about value? And you look at, I think it's like Sweden and the Scandinavian countries where their the happiness is the highest, right? Yeah. I believe. Uh-huh. It's, but, and their materialism level is the lowest, I believe. Uh-huh. Right? It's one of the lowest. So we, we know that we're living in the United, I mean, we just, when we know better, we can do better. When we understand, and by the way, when we understand our own money archetypes, we have a better chance of what we kind of model for our kids and making changes. So let's, we can't blame our parents. Our parents did the best that we, they can, they could, but yeah. we can do better for our kids. So, okay. So how do you, how do you know which money archetype you are? I do a whole sort of, um, four-step process where we start off with clients and we go through their whole money history. And mm-hmm. then we, you know, look at sort of adjectives that describe them around money and their mother and their father. And then we sort of do a step on what you picked up from which parent. And mm-hmm. then we do this money type quiz, which I sent to you. So when yeah. you answer these, you know, you just check off a bunch of adjectives that describe how you are around money. And now we have these archetypes and now we see which ones are really driving you. And then we can kind of work on small but significant steps to change those. If those are not leading you to where you want to go. So, so what kinds of steps are you talking about? Right? So let's say like my archetype is like the martyr and I want to be like more empowered and I don't know what would be more empowered. Okay, So here's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I had a sense clients, let's just say, you know, they, they have low self-esteem. All of their feelings of value came from external things. So now they get invited to, you know, when you go to these charity events, right? There's always like shopping attached if you've ever been to any of these ladies' luncheons. Right. So yeah. they get there and they're like, oh, I know how I can feel great. I'm going to buy all this stuff. I'm even not even at a charity event. I'm going to go to a store and the women at the store are going to be really nice to me and I'm going to buy all of this stuff. And then they leave and then they feel shameful and then they feel used and then they feel guilty, which is not the point. I mean, if you're going to go out and shop, enjoy it. Right. right. Get that stuff and enjoy it. So we sort of say, okay, let's just prepare yourself. You know, you're going shopping to, you know, whatever you're doing, let's make a list of what you need. We know it's the holidays. It always comes a lot at the holidays. Uh-huh. You go crazy. Let's make a list, whatever you're going to spend on whoever you're going to spend it on. But now at least we're mindful. Now we have a plan. So we don't feel like, Oh, I, it was like a free for all. You know, it's like if you're on a diet and they give you a shopping list at the market, don't go to the market when you're hungry and you're just out of control and you're just spinning your wheels all over. So that would be like one example. Uh huh. Okay. A significant step. Yeah. Right. You know, if you spend money unconsciously all the time, we may say, listen, you now need to keep a log of every penny that you spend. Mm hmm. Okay. And then you're going to say, oh my God, I had no idea that you know, I go to Starbucks and I go to, you got, you know how much we spend at CVS? I mean, who doesn't go to CVS or Target? CVS. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to say. Fuck CVS. It's Target. That's the problem. (laughs) Oh no. But CVS, all of a sudden you're like, I could use more nail polish and I could use them. I made, I mean, right. Right. Going for a prescription and it's 150, whatever. Right. You know, there's all, and it depends what what it is you know sometimes it's meditation sometimes it's getting more in touch with the spiritual side Mm. just like that sometimes it's literally like you have to take off those online shops they can't send you the emails anymore you have to unsubscribe from those lists but for some clients that's a trigger every day 
they're triggered. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, totally. How does this fit into divorce? How do we, it's really important, right? To, I, I mean, I think this is, this is fascinating. This is sort of a, because we can talk about dividing assets till we're blue in the face. That's but right. If we don't understand what we do with the money that we have. That's right. Right. We're, I know. And, and for me, this is, and I think it is for you too, obviously, Carrie, this is a women's empowerment conversation. Right. A thousand percent. This is this is a conversation about women taking responsibility and control for their own financial security and stability and futures. A thousand percent. It's empowering. You're going to get a divorce and people are your whole next chapter is going to be different. So while you're while you're stripped of everything and rebuilding yourself, if you haven't already done this piece before, add it to the list and it's a great time to do it now because I can tell you, especially when it's just you and if your financial reality is less than it was before, you're going to have to be hypersensitive to your patterns and your behaviors because, you know, your safety net may be gone. Absolutely. So the sooner you do this, and you're going to have different triggers because if you're a spender, now you're single. So now you're like, well, I have to get my hair done more and my nails done and I have to get new clothes because I'm out there dating and yep. I have to do that. Okay. So let's just really kind of now talk about who do you want to be in this next chapter? What kind of people do you want to attract in this next chapter? And I always say, if you want to do that, I'm all for it. What can we do less? What can we t Maybe you have a less expensive car. Maybe you don't eat out as much. Because you bought a dress. You know, I notice with my clients that get in trouble, it's rarely one big expense. It's rarely like, well, if you just sell the plane, we'll be fine. It's right. that everything is inflated. Eating out, it costs too much. And the car is a little, a little too much. And the school, you know, I mean, people are like, well, I, my kids have to go to private school and I have to do this. And I have, I have to. Yeah. And when we say, really? Because what if you didn't? Now what happens? I, I can't move out of this house. Well, you're like a prisoner in golden handcuffs. Right. Yes. And this is... You don't want that. Right. And this also, this goes to, you know, the I think the biggest financial mistake that women make in divorce, which we've talked about in, on the podcast in the past, is fighting to keep the house. Because yes, we don't, that's a big one. We don't think beyond, you know, the next couple of years. I know for me... You know, I was like, sure, I want, I totally want to keep the house. And then I did the math and I realized that like, sure, while I got spousal support for two years, by the way, I was going to be able to stay in the house. But beyond that, like I couldn't afford that mortgage. I couldn't have taken that mortgage on. No. And, you know, I always, when I work with women going through divorce, because, you know, I do divorce coaching mm -hmm. and I really do the financial piece of it. You can't tell them everything at once. So when they come on day one, and their husband has just walked out and they say, I'm going to have to sell the house. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to do that. I try to slow them down. Yeah, me too. Because <laughs> a month, two months, three months later, they're feeling a little more empowered. Yep. Feeling a little more like, okay, I don't have to sell the house. I'm going to now choose to sell the house because the security of knowing I have that money in the bank is going to make me feel better. Than worrying about the roof leaking and the plumbing and the utilities, and I'm gonna have more freedom, and I can create more of a new chapter. Right. So a lot of times it's just rephrasing and getting them, slowing them down, getting them in touch with their spiritual side, getting them mindful and understanding their patterns, so they don't feel like a victim of this is being done to me. Mm -hmm. And instead, it's you know I had a client one time who got a divorce. And she kept saying, you know, it's not fair. It's not fair. He gets to live his life and, and not really be affected. And I have to make all these sacrifices. Right. Said, Wait a second. You weren't happy, right? He wasn't a good guy. No, he wasn't a good guy. You wanted out. Okay. So now you have peace. What's that worth? Right. Should be worth a lot. Absolutely. It'd be worth a lot more than a Range Rover to live a peaceful life. I always say that I went from a very, very, very comfortable life with my ex-husband who does very well and I you know I gave it all up 
I gave up the the beautiful house that I've loved. I gave up the the luxury car. I gave up the full bank account. All of that stuff, the vacations and the travel and the yada, 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 right? And the jewelry. And I gave it all up for my peace of mind. And there have been times over the past 11 years, 12 years, where I've been like, oh, fuck, that would be really nice right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. But I've never regretted it because the peace and the happiness and you know there's no loneliness like being alone in a marriage that's the that's the worst and it's a lonely feeling when you're married to not a great guy or you're in not a great relationship and he's throwing material things at you and it feels good for a while yeah but then i think in those quiet moments and you're not going to share it with your friends not so great i wouldn't trade it right you know, exactly. Exactly. you sell your soul a little bit for the material stuff. And, and I like, you know, we all like nice things, but not at that cost. Not at that price. Exactly. Not at that price. Nope. My soul and my integrity and my happiness. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we all see with this pandemic, none of us are wearing those clothes because none of us are going anywhere. None of us are seeing our friends. My shoes are all looking at me like, really? <laughs> I mean, so if this hasn't taught us, what, what are we on this planet to do? Yeah. And what do we want to do? And what do we want to teach our children? Just because you have it. You know, one time I, I had a client and she was a, a spender and the husband said, oh, don't, it's fine. We can afford it. And I said, just because you can afford the alcohol, you shouldn't be an alcoholic. It, and it's not bringing joy, right? That's a great point. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's the, and that's the thing. That's the thing is that I think that when I first got out of my marriage and when I was in my marriage, I was spending like crazy because I was trying to fill oh, a yeah. hole that was really. I hear that all the time. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get support and love, but I'm going to get a great closet. I've heard that many times. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I don't even think I was doing that consciously, by the way. No. But it's man, oh man, right? That's that's something else right there when you're like trying to fill this this emptiness. Mm -hmm. And then now, now we're in the pandemic. I don't give a shit. But I also right. don't really give a shit. I, I see people with like Gucci purses or like whatever, like like really high end purses and I think no, that looks really uncomfortable. I don't think I would want to put my stuff in that. <laughs> no. But if I did want it, it, if it was really important to me at this point, I would have to save for it. I would have to plan for it. I would have to budget for it and I could buy it for myself, but it would, it would cost me something and it would mean something to me to have done that for myself. And what I have found that a lot of times when you have to do all of those steps, you think not always, but sometimes you think, you know what? It's actually not that important. And right. if it is, mm -hmm. you really appreciate it and you really savor it. You know, I try That's to teach exactly it right. to my teenage daughter, you know, about expensive, about creating habits. At this point, look, they can all get a thing from the drugstore and they can all go to Starbucks and you think, well, it's just a couple of dollars, but it's the habit. The habit of, of not knowing how to do your own nails and always getting a manicure every week at 15, at 16. I said, I don't think you want to get yeah. in that habit. It's a habit of going to Soul Cycle, and and I'm not knocking Soul Cycle, yeah. but if you're spending thirty five dollars in an exercise class when you're young, you know I have people that say, well, I have to work out with a trainer. How am I going to get in shape? Right. <laughs> I've always worked right. out with a trainer. What am I going to do? And I think, you know, one day it's, you know, as my dad used to say, it's easy to go up. It's harder to come down. And be happy. Yes, the the right. secret in life is, is to be happy with what you have because there's always somebody with more. There's always somebody with more and there's yep. always somebody with less. Yep, absolutely. And that, that kind of brings us back to that conversation about women talking to each other and actually having these conversations and not using, not first of all, not making assumptions about people based on what they have. Some of the women I know who are dripping in diamonds and, and Gucci are some of the most miserable in some very unhappy and abusive relationships, mm -hmm. right? So how do you suggest that women talk, have these conversations? Because I know that's a really big part of what it is that you believe in and that you want to change. I believe we get together and we have sort of divorce support groups when somebody's going through 
a divorce, you know, it's great to have a safe place to go. It's like when we all had babies. And I remember when I had a baby and I was in a baby group. And you're sitting there like, I don't know what to do. My baby won't sleep. And there was one person that said, oh, if you turn your baby sideways, or you do this or you feed him this way. And it helped. It right. just helped for that moment. And then it's going to change. And, and you know, you, you think I'm the worst mother ever because my baby's crying. I mean, it's just, we have to stop beating each other. We have to stop, first stop beating ourselves up. And we have to be right. supportive of each other and say, it's okay. I mean, every client that I meet with is I'm all, 90%. I'm so embarrassed. I can't, I'm so embarrassed to even tell you. Don't be embarrassed. Mm. You've been busy doing other things. It's very common. But let's change it now. We can't go back. Let's just go forward and make changes as of today. You know, what can I do now? I'm 40. What could I do? I I haven't worked. What could I do? I said, listen, one day you're going to be 60. You might as well be 60 having worked for 10 years. Or say, I'm 60 now. What am I going to, you know, like you just have to start today with step one, whatever step one is, and just keep moving yeah. forward. That's what I right. would say. Just whatever it is. And if you move forward and it's the wrong step and you go back this way, at least you're moving forward. At least you're trying to work on, on yourself. Yeah. So interesting. You know, one of the, one of the experiences I've, I've definitely had as an adult, right? And I think that these, this is rare until you become an adult and probably a mother is finding those safe spaces, mm-hmm. finding those safe places. Like you said, like a divorce support group mm-hmm. is always a really good place to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm in a, a really large mom's group, but it's, it's local. It's a local mom's group, but it's also has for a long time been sort of like the best and safest mom's group around, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like not one of those places where you get shamed and there's no, like, it's just real fucking people. Right. right? And I know that there have been times where somebody has just, a woman has just finally said, Hey guys, I need help. I've done it. I've seen it done. When women share their most authentic vulnerability with a group of women, fucking Magic it's amazing. Happens. I always say people, human nature, you want to help those in need. So if you can, yeah. if, if, you, yes. if you're brave enough to say, Kate, I'm struggling and I need help. It's amazing yep. what comes your way. I mean, it really is. I'll tell you, I was going through something in that group. I posted a long story, but I, don't, I haven't really talked about it here on the podcast, but going through healing from my eating disorder, my history of eating disorders, which I think probably have talked about a little bit touched on, but, and in sort of quitting dieting and going through my process, I had gained weight and I had outgrown all of my clothes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to land, right? As I go through this process, I'm going to fluctuate. I don't know where I'm going to land. I don't want to go out and buy an entirely different wardrobe, but I also hate getting up every day and not having any, any clothes to put on and hundreds of women, hundreds of mm-hmm. women emptied out their closets. For me. Right, it's, amazing. it's amazing. And they were like dropping them on my porch. I was like, I mean, and it was like, and that's, that's the kind of thing that happens when women just say, when, like you said, when we open, when we open up to each other, and I think money is one of those things. It's almost like the last frontier, right? It's, I think it's really easy for women to talk about body image stuff. It's hard to talk about, but I think it's easier for us to talk about that than it is about money. I think you're right. People talk about that. Some people talk about sex and whether they're having it or not having it with their spouses or whatever. But money is really yes. like sort of the last, you know, people are, are more open to talk about religion and people are talking about politics now more than they ever did before not talking about money. We don't need to be around anyone that's going to make it. Nobody's life is perfect and nobody should judge somebody else for whatever. And if you are, you know, listen, I know people that one time I had a client and she said, my husband's cheating on me and I want to get a divorce. Okay, fine. You know, whatever. And then, but they had children together and she didn't want to deal with all the financial making these decisions because she had never done it before. And I said, listen, you have to deal, she says, I just don't want to deal with this. I said, you have to deal with one thing or the other. I'm not judging you. You know, you either have to deal with him cheating on you or your finances. You have kids. It's not an easy decision. And she ended up getting back together with him, which, you know, listen, it's her life. It's her reality. It's not an easy decision. I would never judge somebody right. for that. 
No. So it's just, you need people to say, okay, I fucked up. Uh, I can do better. Don't judge me for it. Don't crucify me for it. Because trust me, I do that to myself in private. Can you just say it's fine? Let's just keep rolling with the punches. Let's just move. Let's just keep moving it forward. We all make mistakes. And if I tell you as my friend of a mistake I made, please just hear me. I've already beat myself up. (laughs) I'm looking for a little support and encouragement. Yes. And I do think that as women, I think, first of all, I think the more vulnerable we are in our expression, the better, right? Like the more openly we are received Mm -hmm. by other women. Mm -hmm. And I also think we have to know who we have to know who our people are, right? You got to know where because it's not safe everywhere. That's just the truth. Not safe everywhere. It's not safe everywhere. And you know, to tie it back into money, sometimes, I'm not going to say always, when you're unhappy and you've created this materialistic world to mask that, there's nothing that you like better than having all these other materialistic friends, which quite often are also sort of shallow and unhappy and how misery loves company. Those aren't always Uh the best ones to have in your corner to really be authentic. They're really not not happy. I'm not saying always, but we all know there's women that, you know, you're afraid to say, oh, she's going to be so happy that I'm unhappy. Like, yeah. And maybe that's where the fear comes in. I I don't know, but we just need one or two go-to people. I like to think that we provide a very safe space when people come to us and they say, I need money help. It's like, let's do it. Let's do this. We got, you got it. Right. And I'm going to help you until you have it on your own. I'm going to ride along the bike with you until you have it on your own. Yeah. Well, I'm going to teach you how to fish. I always say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Cause like you give a woman a budget, you're giving her a fish. <laughs> you teach her how about her money story and you, and what her patterns are and help her like uncover what all of that, then, then you're teaching her how to fish. And, and you know what, if we, if you're on a budget and you, you found yourself with a new Gucci bag, I'm not going to beat you up. Okay, fine. Let's, you know, we had a little setback. Okay. Let's keep moving forward right. again. Let's keep moving forward and try not to make the same mistake twice. Yes, absolutely. So Let's keep learning from it. So, all right. I mean, I just love this, that the the way that the place to start in this is with these money personalities and these archetypes. Yeah, they're not personalities, they're archetypes because they're really patterns and behaviors. And it's interesting if you do it to see, oh, maybe this, maybe this is why I had problems communicating with my husband. Maybe this is why I'm having problems communicating with my children. Maybe, not always, but sometimes if you're a tyrant with money, and you're very controlling, I don't know, you could be controlling with other things. <laughs> may not serve <laughs> you so well. Maybe that's the only place. <laughs> I, right? You know, maybe if you're really reckless and careless and irresponsible with money, I don't know, you could be really reckless and careless with other things <laughs> in your relationship. Maybe that caused some problems in your relationship. Exactly. And if you're divorced, Maybe you don't want to make those same mistakes the next time. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what I was going to say, because that's the reason that the divorce rate increases with second and third marriages is that we're just repeating the same patterns and we're not taking responsibility for our part and where things fell apart. Right. So I think the sooner somebody gets in touch with this, you do not have to be divorced to understand your money patterns and archetypes. The sooner you do it, I think it's helpful oh, yeah. in any relationship. Oh, and, and, you know, it's helpful for you to do it. It's helpful for your partner to do it and see, oh, you know, I mean, I, I have clients where, and again, this is the generalization because we haven't done these archetypes for them, but one is a spender and one is a saver. So you can imagine how they fight over that. Now, yeah. sometimes if you just understood it, you can come to a, a middle ground and you don't have to get divorced. Right. Right. That's right. I think that's right. I think it's, it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot cheaper to do money coaching sometimes than divorce. Right. That's <laughs> the one thing that's causing a lot of, of headache in the marriage. Yes. You know, there's other stuff going on. Okay. But sometimes this is the key, you know, and there's the secret. And, and, you know, one thing 
your patterns then lead, lead to lying and secretive and then you're in debt and then you don't tell your spouse and I've had yeah. clients do that and I say, you know, that's like financial cheating. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It becomes a nightmare and it's not fair. And and I don't know the number, but more often than not, the woman comes out on the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hate to say it. It's true. We, it's not changing as much as it should change considering how far women have come. Yep. Yeah, there was the there was a study that was done, I don't know, three or four years ago maybe. Mm-hmm that men's what was it their lifestyle or their something in increased by like 10% or 17% or something in divorce while women's yes. standard of standard of living decreased by like 27%. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it it's unfortunate but it's true unless you are the primary breadwinner as the woman and again you can sit in my office and say it's not fair it's not fair and I'm going to say it's not okay and you know, how long are we going to stay with it's not fair? Right. So a year, five years. It's not fair. I agree. It's not fair. Okay, next. Right. Exactly. Great. Now, how are we going to empower? Because that's not empowered. Yeah. Right. That's so not now empowering. What, what steps are we going to take to empower you through this into a better future? No, you have another friend that wants to see you stuck that will sit there and say, you're right. He was a jerk and you deserve more. You, well, you're not getting more. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is what it is at this point. Let's figure out how to empower yourself so you can get it on your own. So good. So important. So So, great. Carrie, where can people find you? Because I think this is such an important topic and so important. I think everybody needs to do their money. I I agree. I am passionate about about, uh, educating men and women. But, you know, unfortunately, I don't know why men are just, they know more often than women do. So I'm really passionate about empowering young girls before yeah. they go to college and make these mistakes. Yes. And then before they get married. And then if they're married and they've been out of the game, it's never too late. Yep. So they can find me on my website, summitla.com. Excellent. And we will link yes. to that in the show notes. Do you have the quiz on your website? I do have the quiz. I do have the quiz on my website. Excellent. So you can go to my website and take the quiz and can have a, you know, a consultation to see if you, if you want to go forward with money coaching. I mean, you have to be willing to do the work and well, I mean, I guess you don't, but if you want to get really good results like therapy, you don't want to go to right. therapy and not be on, you don't want to lie to your therapist. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, not really. Yeah. Not really worth them. You know, the you'll get out of it what you put into it, which is kind of what you find in life. Right. Exactly. Relationships, you get out of it what you put into it. Exactly. Exactly. Wise, wise words. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kate. It was great. I'm just, yeah, I love it. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at The Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.